0: Hey everybody, welcome to the fourth episode of the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. No, we don't have a sponsor yet, but if you are a lamp and ballast manufacturer, or you sell to distributors and contractors, you might want to get in early on this one, pretty hot. On today's show, we have Spencer Miles. He's not really a guest. He's more like a friend of the show. Spencer's the vice president of Pacific Lamp and Supply out of Seattle, Washington. And we talked about a lot of things, man. We talked about a a Lumageddon when the LED revolution comes to an end. We talked about different business models of selling lighting to people. We talked about MRO versus projects. And if you don't know what MRO stands for, uh, you can join the club because we couldn't figure it out either. We came up with maintenance repair operations or maintenance reorder. To us, it means selling people replacement lamps and ballasts when they burn out. So without further ado, Greg and I give you Spencer Miles on episode four of the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Hello, Spencer. Hello, Michael. Say hi to Greg Eric? Hey, Greg.
1: Hey, Spencer. How are you?
0: I noticed that, Spencer, you know, you, you saw that episode three is up.
1: Yes, saw that earlier today.
0: It was supposed to be an About Us, but it turned into an About Greg. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and, and can you believe it that he managed to talk 30 minutes about his career in the lighting business and he didn't once bring up that he's lighting certified, nor did he bring up that he was the president of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. So that means he's got a lot to say. So it was a good podcast. But Spencer, you know what? Tell me, tell me how you got in the lighting business.
1: I actually
2: started in the warehouse uh, as a delivery driver when I was 18, uh, and then for what happened to be a lighting company, good old Pacific Lamp out of Seattle, and worked my way through sales, uh, inventory, purchasing, and now into vice president.
0: What, what year did you start there? 2000. So you you've been in the game 17 years.
2: 17 years, yep. And I was doing sales in 2001, so I mean, the first year was really just you know warehouse work. But uh, true lighting sales since uh, 2001.
0: You 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 got into sales right off the bat. What were you selling primarily back in
2: 2001? Whew. T12s and uh, probably CFLs. A lot of CFLs, if I had to guess.
0: Was Pacific Lamp and Supply late to the energy efficiency game? Did you always did like? Did you ever feel like shoot, we're falling behind, or were you guys ahead of the curve?
2: No, I, would, I feel like we were always a little bit ahead of the curve
0: on what, that. Why would you say that?
2: Uh, we were one of the first out there with the T8s, you know, doing T12 to T8 conversions, electronic ballasts. I think we were selling low-watt ballasts to save energy before even uh, the big T8 rebates from the utilities came out.
0: Okay. At what point when you were selling and all that, did, did it turn to be basically selling energy efficiency almost all the time? Or do you guys not do that?
2: So you're saying selling energy efficiency one hundred percent yeah like how order? much
0: how much of your business is projects and how much of it is it you know replacement lamp supply?
2: That's a good question actually, because I would say the doing project thirty uh, percent, MRO probably about thirty percent, and then uh, we have a retail deal that we do that's uh, the other
0: percentage, 40%. Greg, do, do, are how much a percentage of your business is, is MRO and how much is projects?
1: It's about uh, 65% projects and 35 MRO. And what we started doing, because that question came up a lot, about two and a half years ago or so, we got a, a new, well it was more like four years ago, we got a new accounting system and we started tracking our sales orders. We label them as a system or a supply. And now every year we can pull that and say what percent of our sales are projects and which ones are supply. So kind of a nice tool to do. What is it? Why is that valuable to you? Just knowledge, you know, kind of knowing how it's changed over the years. You can see that when we first started measuring, it was pretty close to 50-50. And now you can see that the, the project business has gone up quite a bit. Are you, Is that, is all your growth projects? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, we we've stayed pretty steady in our supply business over the years, but definitely the, the growth has come from projects. Do you? But I like, mean, when you say you're pretty
0: steady on the on the supply side, you're you're saying that for the last seven
1: eight years,
0: your business supply side has not grown or has it shrunk?
1: You know, it stayed pretty much the same. I would say, if anything, maybe a little bit down, but overall pretty close. Not not anything significant as far as you know dollar amount or volume.
0: I I actually split the project company out of the distribution company right in the beginning in 2003. So it was a separate corporation with different ownership. So it needed different accounting. So I separated out. So I have a very, very, very exact, if I wanted to, I don't always look at it. Unfortunately, I'm such a good manager. I think a lot of distributors are probably not aware how much of their business is projects and how much is MRO. What about you, Spencer? You say it's 35, 30, 30, and 40?
2: Yeah, 35, 35, 30 probably, the more I thought about it, yeah. Heavy. Uh, you know, in MRO, we were heavy MRO 10 years ago, and we probably had one guy, maybe two guys that were out there doing projects, and that that's changed quite a bit.
0: Yeah, you know what? I find that sales reps totally, totally undervalue MRO.
1: Yes, the younger ones, yes. What about you, Greg? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing better to me still than getting somebody calling me that I didn't have to call up to them and they're just ordering light bulbs. I'd love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, really? if, I, if I could, I'd ship mr 16s all day. Unfortunately, it's just not case, but it's funny because it's probably a good time to maybe you know look at refocusing on MRO. I mean, I've been totally focused on projects, like projects lead the way for 12 years now, and there's a lot of people missing in the business now, 12 years later, that were... St- the monsters of MRO, you know, back at like probably Pacific Lamp was told, maybe it's time to, what do you think, Spencer? Is it time to take a step back and and think maybe let's get after this lamp supply again?
2: Well, I I like to look at it a little differently where, first of all, you do a project. A lot of people are competition, probably your guys' competition, hopefully not you. When they do a project, they walk away from that customer, right? They're done. Now I did LED Well, you probably did not do the full facility. So what I like to always tell ourselves, people, is, yeah, you did a project. They still are buying light bulbs. Very few facilities after a project still are not buying products. I mean, they're buying ballast. They're buying something. So you got to keep that as an MRO customer to get the next project as well. Uh, And then, yes, the other side is just get the guys who are buying a lot of bulbs. You got to go find those guys.
0: I think the guys that that run away from the customer after they do the project are scared that the LEDs are going to burn out and they want to be forgotten, or they're scared they're not going to deliver on the energy savings promises, and that's just not the case with us. I'll make sure that the warranty. I mean, Greg, are you going to make sure that you
1: keep your warranty with your customer? Absolutely, that's a big selling point, and and I, I the the, way, the reason a lot of them do that is is because. They don't really know what they're selling. They, they they see a product and a price and a rebate and a good payback and they go out and sell it and they don't, they're not really confident in it. They're just kind of reading the up re- on it.
2: They're rebate you know? chasers. Yeah.
1: yeah. And find out what a rebate is and they understand it. And then they go sell something not knowing always if it's the best light and not knowing if it's going to last. So yeah, that's the easy thing to do is take off and run.
0: Yeah. And those guys don't have any leverage with the manufacturers they're buying the lights from either they can't back the warranty they don't have the money <laughs> they don't have the sales they don't have the the guts you know i i did some research on pacific lamp greg you know that that company's over a hundred years old spencer do you know that
2: i do know and i say it every day
0: and and greg how old's premier lighting
1: 1991 so what's the math on that
0: i don't know 23 Six, years 20, or
1: sorry, 26. 26, 26.
0: 26. there you go. See, I'm a math genius. And Atlas is 40 years old. So that means we got like 150 years of lighting business on the table right now with three guys. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, good background.
0: I'll tell you, it's way easier to sell somebody $5,000 a year in MRO than it is to sell them a one-year $5,000 project. And I think the $5,000 a year MRO customer is a way better customer. Remember when we, back in 2011, 12, we were talking about, is it time to jump out of the lighting business? What a disaster that would have been. But remember that? We are saying, yeah, man, you know, I'm running out of halides up here in Minneapolis.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I remember a time where we had 100% rebate here. I forget what the the acronym, but uh, they paid 100% to go to T8. And, you know, everybody was jumping on board and selling them because it was 100% paid for. At that time, we all thought that, we're like, oh. You know, everybody's got T8s. They last, uh, you know, even if you were using bad ones, they were still lasting you know, 30,000 hours.
0: Yeah, even uh, bad fluorescent we, lamps last a long it, time.
2: Yeah, we were selling the good ones that were fifty to 60,000 hours. And everybody thought that, oh, well, the lighting's going to die. We're not going to get tomorrow our own business. And then look what happened, you know, five years later. We got LED revolution. So I, I look at it as there'll always be a next revolution of something. Don't know
0: what it is. What The biggest challenge, I think, for me, and what's left over in the in the lighting market is the remainders they're not early adopters now they're kind of the people that don't like to change anything that are left i don't know have you guys noticed this at all greg or is it just me or
1: no i you know i think I, i've seen a, a cycle uh, when i first started i'm selling to the same people that i sold you know metal halide to t8 now i'm selling led to those people and I don't know how many people are actually left that have the old technology. If they are, yeah, they refuse to change, and they still will at some point. And now it makes more sense than ever. So I think I'm seeing a lot more people have an understanding of energy savings. You know, they, they get the idea, and they know what LED lighting is. You know, when I was first starting and talking about T- T8s and T12s, nobody knew what that was. They knew what fluorescent was, but LED lighting, everybody's really heard about, is aware of. And, and I think that that kind of helps the process too because everybody talks about it. They know it's out there. And to me, it's just uh, inevitable that everybody's going to do it. And it's just a matter of when.
0: How many, per- what percentage do you think, Spencer, has been completed in your market? Like- I can
2: tell you exactly. Yeah. Uh- so they recently came out and said, what, 7% of the U.S. has adopted the LED. In our market, it is 31%.
0: So like it's, uh, Washington's very green, is it?
2: Yeah, I think that's actually more of a Puget Sound, which would be Western Washington. Uh, that's where, but yes, lots and lots of LEDs over here.
0: So when they're saying that, they're citing households too, right? Like that's not a I commercial assume so, only? Yes, I did not
2: actually see a footnote on that that study that's, that said if
1: it was either commercial or residential.
0: What does your gut yeah. tell you? How many, how, what's left out there? Is it, I don't think it's seven,
1: I don't think it's 93%. Greg, is it 93% in your market? Left, no, but I, I would say 85, 80% 80 really? left. I think only 15 to 20%. So you guys,
0: you, so you walk into a, a third party logistics warehouse and you're telling me four out of five times you're gonna have fluorescent or HID in there?
1: Yeah, yeah. fluorescent. Yeah.
0: Huh, yeah. Uh,
2: not just your outdoor, not your cove or your task light. You're talking general lighting, not yeah, high Yeah, but percentage.
0: I mean, the most, per, the, the biggest stuff out there, the biggest wins out there are going to be in your high percentage hits, like your, your four-foot tubes, your 150-watt HPSs, you know, those, those big movers. Like, we noticed that we almost never sell HID, low-wattage HID anymore. How about you, Greg? You still sell a lot of 175-watt metal halides?
1: you know a few to outdoor you know wall packs and things but not a lot definitely not a lot not
0: like you used to no for sure right. so I, I don't know man i don't buy this 7% stuff I, th- I anyway in ontario i think it's a lot higher than it is than in other areas because i would say it's 50-50 if you walk into a facility it's like a like a factory or a, a warehouse it's going to be led one out of two times maybe one in three, you know, so I don't, I don't think there's as much out there. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm not being doomsday, but I'm just kind of wondering where we're at. I kind of, I don't know. I think we might be halfway through this thing. I think the 7% number might be right regionally in some areas, but I I think it's higher overall. I don't know. I don't know. What do you, what about you, Greg? I think, I think we're halfway through the LED boom. And if something new doesn't come along, I think we're going to start to see declines in projects. And I also think as you start to see the industry shrink, you see more competitive pricing. You see like in my market, people will have seven or eight quotes Mm -hmm. on a project and they'll have, they'll have had five guys knock on the door to sell them LEDs. So so, I ended up like, there's nobody in Toronto who's a lighting guy. That's not employed right now. I don't know about in Minnesota, but if you if you know anything about lighting, you can get a job right now. Right. What about, like, yeah. do you have trouble finding people in Minnesota, Greg?
1: Uh, no, there's enough people to, to go around for sure doing that. But, yeah, to answer the question, I don't know. Uh, nobody knows, right? But I think that the we're kind of in the initial stage still, to me, it seems like, because we had, a like, a phase one or generation one, generation two. Some have three, four, and five already or whatever we're at. But it's all about lumens per watt. And you kind of saw it started in the 80 range. Then it got up to about 100. And now it's getting up to 140 and 150, so I think there's a, a point that you can go back to these 80 and hundreds, and, and you'll be able to sell a 150 200 lumen per watt solution that you know that basically cuts the energy in half again.
0: So, so you're so, going to go from what a, a 15 watt LED to a 12 or a 12 watt to a nine? What are you going to go to?
1: Yeah, they've already it's already kind of the trend has just happened because of the new DLC 4.0 that LED tubes are, uh, for example. A roughly 15 watt can now the same lumens can be produced out of about 12. But so that's only three watts.
0: But didn't like, you get? Didn't you get the feeling from Brady Nemeth, Greg, that the end was in sight? It wasn't far. It wasn't like right in front of us. But I didn't. You kind of get the feeling that now they're moving to sensors and that we've got, maybe we've extracted as much of the efficiency gains as we can from LEDs. Like you can only. It's not endless. I I, think that's what I'm saying is that I think the DLC, what Brady was kind of saying indirectly when we, we interviewed Brady Nemeth. Did you listen to that podcast, Spencer?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Did you get the feeling that the move to sensors was kind of, um, what every lighting guy does, but from the DLCs, it, it was kind of looking at, you know, okay, the growth is done here. We're coming to the end of, you know, LEDs. We know how to make them. We know their limitations, there's only so far we can go, and what else is there? That's kind of how... I Did you not get that feeling from Brady, Greg?
1: Or is it just me? You know, somewhat, but I think it's just making sure they're ready for that opportunity. I, I see it more as opportunity. I mean, it, it makes too much sense not to at least consider controls and applications. I know we talked about it and the difficulty that can come from it. But, you know, if that difficulty is eliminated, it makes perfect sense to control your lighting. And then there's all other benefits you can get out of it you know they're talking about the health benefits and things like that but I really see a, a good chance that a service could come out of it like lighting as a service where you're paying a monthly fee basically to maintain your lighting and upgrade it and update it you know much like a cell phone in a way you're paying monthly for that I actually look today at a cell phone and you can't you can't get a free one anymore you have to pay you have to lease it and you lease it out and you pay 30 bucks a month and after 12 months you can upgrade to a new phone and just keep paying 30 bucks a month forever. Or you can pay it for another 12 months and you own it after 24 and then you're going to go through the same process. So all they're doing is getting a monthly fee out of you. Uh,
0: I mean, that's that's insane to lease a yeah. phone. Yeah. But I mean,
1: like that, that's, that's the worst of
0: financial decision going. you can ever make though. Is it? Or is it, is it a, am I wrong? Is that a good financial decision? So you just, you break the phone, you give it back to them. They don't charge you anything for it?
1: No, no, you still, you can't break it, but you, you get charged in, I'm sure. And you pay twice or whatever. I don't know all the so rules. So you're, you're it, saying but, that you can sell light bulbs as a service. I, th- I mean, that's what you know. A lot of the talk has been, and and I can start to see where where it might make sense. You sell a project for who, Spencer? But for that to
2: happen, everything's got to be communicate, and that's our problem right now in controls. Right, you got every company in the world deciding they have a new control line that all operates a little bit different than the other guy's controls. So if that is the the future Uh, you have to have fixtures that are compatible that are plug and play basically oh so you're you're saying you're saying that's the next thing
0: the connected city Spencer, hang on. Sorry, Spencer. You're saying the connected cities, the next thing that we're going to rip out all these LEDs and put ones that have like, uh, what do they call that? Dally or speak to something wirelessly or near field for communication or li-fi or something like that. And we're going to replace all this stuff with, let's call it li-fi, li-fi enabled lighting devices. And that's the next revolution. And Greg's going to sell it to everybody
1: with a monthly subscription. <laughs> Get a grip, Greg. Horn. Let's go. <laughs> Get well, a uh, grip, well, buddy. What's happening though, like is, is uh, distributors can lead this and, and you know, they're gonna have to partner with one or two major companies. I think the lighting will get lumped into bigger companies as they go and other ones will buy each other out. You know, like the acuities are doing in Lithonia where they have everything covered. I
0: don't know now a lighting company thing. merger that's worked out for anybody. I don't know. A I major, mean have you like factor. has any do you think any of these mana like when Philips basically gobbled up the whole industry? Remember that Lightfair where they had basically acquired like five companies at Lightfair or something like that. When was that, Greg? Um, uh, I don't. They bought right now, like nine. they they bought Stone Co. and they bought they bought so many companies and twelve
2: twelve <laughs> companies if I recall. Yeah. In a year period.
0: Yeah, and I thought to myself, if these guys lost their minds, how are they going to manage that? And are any of these uh, brands that Philips bought is there? Did Phillips make money on this? I mean. I don't know. I think acquisitions in the lighting business is very dicey. I don't, uh, I mean, it's one thing. No,
2: but what it gave them though was an opportunity to sell something they weren't selling. So they already had the, you know, F32, right? You buy up all those companies. Now all of a sudden they were a fixture manufacturer who could compete with the cutie. They couldn't do that before, but they had to buy it. I mean, are they making money? I don't know. But um, that was the reason.
0: So, Greg, no, but honestly, you see... So back to this thing, because I I know I was making fun of you there, buddy. But you're saying that you see a business model in your lifetime, so in your career. What do you got left, buddy? 30 years? 20 years?
1: Yeah, sure. Call it 20. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're saying that in your lifetime, you think that lighting is going to be sold as a monthly subscription?
1: I think it could be. I think, you know, if you... Take a distributor, like let's just say a distributor just partners with Philips as their main one. Philips can cover every light fixture and every control in there. You go into a building and you sell that whole building, that package. And that's basically why Philips and those types of companies are buying all the other ones so they can do this. And then you go in and you sell it. And then you as a distributor with partnered with whoever you're partnered with kind of own that lighting together and you manage it together and you you update it and you maintain it. And to me as a facility manager, you know, warranties are one thing where sure you get you get the product replaced but we get so many complaints about well that's great but now who's going to install it and you know you can do labor contracts and warranties and things like that but if you just service it said you know what we're going to work out whatever the fee is per month so that you end up getting paid for all the product and the labor and then you have some costs in there for replacements down the line and upgrades down the line i think to me it makes sense um i know it's a big picture thing but I could see it happening. So is
0: this before or after you die and go to heaven? <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. I can, okay, I see, I see a couple. I, I, I see it. Okay, so let's say you're a tier one mega mall. You got 5,000 stores. I don't know. Name, what's the biggest mall in Seattle, Spencer?
2: Uh, South Center, I believe.
0: There you go. Well, Miss, Minneapolis, Greg.
1: Mm-hmm. Mall of America. Come on. Yeah, bro. Mall of America. Okay, come on, man.
0: There you go. And, then, <laughs> yeah, and sure. then we'll say square one mall in Ontario. Okay. Uh, by the way, are those all your clients? No. Yes. Okay. See, Woo. Um, (laughs) I could see facilities like that in their common areas, looking at a monthly cost just to take care of all their, their lights, particularly if LEDs become very difficult to repair, because a lot of people are assuming that these things last forever. We all know better. So let's say you, 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 you gain that client, but I mean, there's going to be a point where there's a scale problem with the property. How many of your, what percentage of your, customers spencer would ever see that as being worthwhile is it less than like total lamp sales i'm not talking number of customers but say would you say 10 percent of your total lamp sales goes to customers that are big enough to look at a subscription model on their maintenance and supply of lighting
2: yeah but probably higher than that that would actually look at it maybe 20 percent that would actually pull the trigger is one to two percent
0: what about you greg you're the one who conceived of this dream. <laughs> what do you think?
1: I, think? I think you guys, you know, like, let's keep it real simple and basic. It's an office building with 50 light fixtures and 10 wall packs. That's all they got.
0: How much are they going to pay you a month
1: in and today's you know, dollars? You got to work out the finances. But let's just say you never, you just put a, a, an amount on your balance sheet forever. And that, that covers your lighting. You know, There's, there's a no, lot of detail guess, that goes into it, but it's I just know, something
0: where. Do you see yourself remotely managing this? Like with a computer system, where you not, like you're dispatching trucks. I mean,
1: a system manages it and, and alerts you if if there's issues.
0: Do you guys? And, okay, go ahead. Sorry, Greg. Go.
1: I'm just. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe it's quarterly or bi monthly or whatever it ends up being. Follow ups and site visits and things that you have to factor in too. I totally see but, it with it with a big
0: property, like a big yeah. commercial center or office tower. Totally see it, but I don't know if I want. That I mean, you got to have someone like if you have a big, big office tower, those things are cavernous, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to Uh, charge a lot of money. I could
2: see it work. It would be you sell a project, they pay you just like today, right? You do a project, they pay you 100 percent, and then on top of that, you sell a service warranty for that project. I'm not necessarily gonna give them a new system in five years or 10 years, but for if you pay a monthly subscription fee, I will make sure if anything ever happens in five years. We'll fix it or ten years, whatever it may be. Uh, then you replace it. But I-, I couldn't see it for you. Start paying me a subscription fee today, and whenever you want to upgrade your lighting, sure, go for it.
0: I think a lot of people are scared of extended warranties or like you know, pay, like extra warranties on top. I don't know. There's like they have a bad rep in everything up here. You know, when you, I, I I like Spencer's model. I can I, when he says it. You know, hey, sell it after the project. My first concern with that is on these big properties. You rarely do everything at once. When, well, I don't know. True. You know, Greg, have you ever done like, I don't know, a, a $1.7 million lighting upgrade? No. It's always like 50,000, 100,000. They work their way through it, right? Um, so you don't have that, that moment of switchover that would make it really easy to manage and predict and know what's yours, what isn't. I think the other issue, and this is where... Uh, those there were some guys at the Nailed Convention that I thought were interesting, the pro-automated guys. Uh-huh. I know a lot of these bigger properties have no idea how their lighting control system works. Do you, do you no ever notice don't. that? I, I, they just don't yeah. have a clue. Being able to, you know, control their, help them with their lighting control system, I think is an interesting way to maybe take a second look at this. Um, cause then you, maybe there's some information there. I mean, some of the, the I can't remember, but I, I know that some of these malls, what was that company that Sylvania bought that was putting all the dot, um, all the microchips on everything. Um, Encilium, did you guys ever just dis- do an Incilium job? No. Do you ever heard of yeah, that I company?
2: Quoted them, <laughs> never sold it.
0: Right. So they, I, but there's a lot of sold lighting control systems out there that nobody knows what information they have they could have information on burnouts and everything in those things. You don't know. I mean, did Encilium tell you if a light fixture was burned out? I don't know.
2: Uh, yeah, I can't remember.
0: I mean, I don't, think, I don't, I don't even think Insilium knew. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. That goes back to my point, though, of where I don't know if you guys seen it. You know, I got a rep walking in every day that, or at least once a week That's uh, you know, all of a sudden a, a line that sold, uh, you know, let's say garage fixtures or they sold outdoor fixtures, all of a sudden they're selling controls now. I'm like, well, well, why would I buy controls through you? I, I got control vendors.
0: Well, you know what uh, it is. You know it's what just, it is. There's too many. It, no, just everybody went to the Hong Kong Light Fair and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's odd to me. I mean, remember, weren't, you guys, weren't you guys telling me that at a nailed convention, three vendors unveiled the same PAR 38 at the show?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah. One line was one major brand and the other line was another major brand and just rolling down these MR-16s coming out the back door. You know, I mean, the reason why everyone's coming out with controls or lamps or whatever is because... These people, um, the traditional model of the industry has been completely obliterated. There's no manufacturers making product and selling it to distributors because they don't want to hold on to the stock and they need cash flow. It's basically everybody's a distributor. Just some distributors sell to other distributors and some distributors sell to end users. And we're the kind of distributors that sell to end users. Does that make sense? Do you guys understand what I'm saying, or did I go completely crazy? Yeah, no, crazy? That's,
2: that's very, very true. I'd say there's a vast majority of manufacturers with you know, rabbit ears on that that are now, yes yeah, distributors.
0: Yeah, they're all distributors. They all they should yeah. all be nailed members. They're all doing <laughs> the same thing we're all doing. The only difference is who's your customer, right? Yeah. I mean, the only what's the only lamp manufacturer in the States now? Is it GE Plant in Ohio still? I don't even know if it's still there. Still there? The no, no. Philips
2: is making lamps in Kansas. I've been to it.
0: Is it, and they're just making linear fluorescence, right?
2: Linear fluorescence, correct, yeah. You you
0: know what? I have a, I was told something once by a guy who worked at GE Canada. So GE used to make all their fluorescent lamps in Oakville, Ontario. I was Mm -hmm. told that they're not allowed to close those plants because the North American Air Mm -hmm. Defense Command examined the lighting business for foreign vulnerability and they found that North America's mili- strategic military, or whatever their strategic military strength, would be compromised if they didn't have the four-foot fluorescent tube. If they couldn't make it in North America, we would be militarily at a weakness to China or Europe. And so the NORAD does not prevented them from closing the factory, but they moved it to Ohio. <laughs> So it like they, it, so there's like I think there's like one in Europe in Germany too. there's one in America or two in America, like you said, there's a phillips plant, but i think it I think it's partially there uh, there not only because they make money there but because there needs to be a a fluorescent lamp manufacturer in the United States, otherwise you're gonna have to fight in the dark if there's a war, right <laughs> right. I mean, that's some pretty high-level knowledge there. but the, So that's why the only reason manufacturing exists in the, in the United States in the lighting business is for military reasons. And well, that-
2: I will say I have talked to some bigger vendors who are going to be opening LED lines in the U.S. Uh, shortly. So I think they're starting to move them back.
0: Well, I think there's a reason why. It's because you don't need anybody to make them anymore. When Greg and I True. were, they had seven lines. I don't know, what was it, seven? And they would have yeah. 500 or 600 people working on these lines, and they had cafeterias, and they lived at the factory. And we were walking through, and then we walked into this lo- the seventh line, and there was nobody there. She, the, the manager of the factory, Greg, and I said, Well, what's going on here? And what did she say? That it's totally automated or something like that?
1: A robot or something like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: so it's the reason why it's coming back is that the the cost of shipping them across the Pacific Pacific Ocean has become one of the larger components of the cost now whereas in the past it was all labor. But they don't need anybody to make those those lights anymore. So or they not that they don't need anybody, but they don't need a lot of labor to do it, so it makes sense to make them over here I guess. Other than pure and, assembly. Yep. So I don't know, you're selling US-made LED tubes, Spencer?
1: Currently no. Greg uh, we've quoted some to. There, there's certain. There's something called the Buy American Act. I don't know if, it, Michael, you probably uh, don't know a lot. No, about C- it, C- Canadians
0: um, don't know anything about that. It's not going to affect <laughs> us at all. Guess not. No,
1: I mean <laughs> no, we're totally it's, oblivious it's about to the that. Government and buying X amount of goods from or <laughs> X, it has to be a certain percentage of that item has to be made in the U.S. Or they employ a certain amount of employees in the U.S. So yeah, the go- there's a few different there's all these different rules that can go into it. So Companies are coming uh, with LED tubes especially and saying, you know, here, these are by American compliant. And where I've seen them is like federal prisons and things like that where they need to. Yeah, and,
2: and those I've sold. When you said made in America, I, I took it, you know, actually made. And and there's a couple companies claiming it out there, and I, I, I don't know if I completely believe them.
1: Well, I've seen companies, a few manufacturers that claim they make it in the U.S. And what they mm-hmm. do is they buy just buy components and hire any. Random person to go in the back and kind of stick things together, screw a couple LEDs on a fixture. So to me,
2: that's assembled in the U.S. That's not Yes,
1: You know what? Maybe maybe the Get a Grip
0: on Lighting podcast needs to take a little road trip. Or two. To whoever says they're making LED lighting tubes in the States, (laughs) and we should just knock on their back door and walk in and say, okay, (laughs) so what are you guys doing? And then go back to a hotel and talk about it. I think I'm always wary when the government tries to legislate the economy. I mean, if it makes sense to make light bulbs in the USA, it'll happen. The United States is the largest economy in the world. They're the smartest people in the world live in the United States. There's more well, inv- There's more investable capital in the United States than um, there's, there's an enormous venture capital industry. The government doesn't have to legislate anything. If something made sense to be made in the United States, it'd be made in the United States. That's not necessarily true about Hungary or China or Brazil. But if something makes sense, if there's a business case to do something in the United States, people do it. That's why it's the biggest economy in the world. That's why you went to the moon. Um, I don't think the government should get involved, but that's my own opinion. So where do we go with this? So we're at the going back to the question of how many years I'm saying halfway through and maybe we can chop the podcast at that. But give me your final number. I think we're halfway through the this this type of LED revolution and unless there's some major disruptive thing like the CFL, like the LED coming along, I think I, I think we're in sight of the end. What do you think, Greg? I wouldn't
1: call it the end. It's just a different, uh, you know, different way to do it. I'm talking projects we, here, not MRO. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, projects. Um, no, I wouldn't. I would say of where we're at now. Yeah, be 25 percent. Um, 25. Maybe twenty. I mean, I guess I got to stick with the math I said before, right? Fifteen to twenty percent. You don't have to stick done. with
0: anything. You could admit that I've convinced <laughs> you of something that you were unaware of before, but I don't think you will. <laughs> right? How would um, how would you, Spencer? So no,
1: yeah, go ahead. I'd Greg. say that, that but that, then I think more opportunity will arise as LEDs advance. I know that sounds odd, but I think that that is very likely to happen. Do you think though? Don't okay. Before we get to that,
0: don't you think there's going to be some sort of bloodletting though? When- potentially
1: but think of the fluorescent technology when was that first 1960s or whatever when T12s uh, don't quote me on that but let's say it was 1960 right so there was
0: incandescence everywhere
1: so T12s carried it for 20 30 years and T8s come for another 20 or 30 years LED is is new as i mean it's been around but as far as being a valid source has been less than 5 years so if you're going to if if you can make better fluorescents you can definitely make better LEDs so I don't see why we couldn't, you know, get to that point. I only see the cost dropping.
0: Like that, that, that's, that's what I. That's the other side of it. I,
2: that, but, but when the cost drops, you pick up more customers that have been hesitant to do it, right? So the projects will continue to go. Those people are just going to probably get a better deal.
0: But your profit per lamp drops. Absolutely. Like I think, in five years, if anybody's having a podcast in lighting, it'll be us because we we're. Like, who's talking about this right now? But. So I think we're the ones thinking about it. We're the ones planning for it because, you know, there's a, what 150 years at the table here. So we want another 150, but you know, I, I think there's going to be a shakeout and I think there's going to, you're right. I think like there's going to be, or maybe there's going to be a vacuum that good lighting people are going to be sucked into because too many people get acquired by like what you were talking about earlier, Spencer, those you know, sell-it-all companies, a million SKUs in the inventory companies. Maybe there'll be a vacuum and, and there'll be growth for, you know, people that know lighting. I don't know. I, I, it's tough. So you're saying 25% done. Where's your head at, Spencer?
2: I'm lower than that. I mean, I, I remember at the Nailed Convention this year, what, two months ago, somebody mentioned a manufacturer. Their number one selling SKU was still an F40T12.
0: Who's this? Oh. Come on. Where? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I don't. I want to move Canada, to area, but
0: um, well, it ain't in Canada, but buddy. No, that or Ontario. still proves
2: the point, though. T8s have been out there; they've been rebated. I mean, everybody's beat that to death, at least in the light industry, right? And they're still out there as their number one skew. So, if that's so, so we're hanging it. So, to F40 be T12, believed.
0: F40 T12s number one skew this year, 2017.
2: Yeah, well, 2016 at the time. You yeah. gotta get that. You gotta um, get your
0: head out of the hole in the ground. I mean, that's crazy.
2: But where, yeah, where I don't know because that's definitely not in my top hundred. But sure. It's it, it tells me that the, the the LEDs we haven't done that many. We think we have. We sold a lot, but they'll continue. I know we've been going around and you know you do a garage, you do a stairwell, you do a couple floor. You're just continually doing the same property and, and with the square footage out there. Uh, and my fluorescent cells haven't really dipped much. Uh, surprisingly, yeah, I think they said the industry was a 12 percent drop um ours haven't uh, for some reason I, i'll We're tell you I'll,
0: projects, I'll tell you why so. i'll tell you why you're 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 just you're picking up um uh, you're stepping over dead bodies and picking yeah. up what's left of them
2: that's well, i mean a lot of you got a lot of guys focusing on that project right if that's all they're focused on they lose the MR no, but when, you, no up, but when you no, but when
0: you say go. no but what you're saying yeah exactly what you're saying is that you're you're picking up fluorescent tube business but i think it's because other people are exiting the business there's like less, there's less competition. That's what I was talking about earlier. There's less, con- yeah, there's less competition on the MRO side. I don't know. So you're I, saying
2: focus more on that.
0: I don't know. I mean, that, like Greg saying, you know, I don't know. I, I, am just saying, I, I, I don't think there's anybody who's out there saying, Hey, bring this guy a list of lamps that you, he can buy from us. Like when's the last time a lighting guys walked in? When's the last time you walked into a client and handed them a price sheet saying, these are the bulbs I can sell you, Greg. <laughs> Never did. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, you online, though. <laughs> yeah or you, okay, so email them the website. But some people like to hold stuff in their hands, too, dude. I mean, I I, can print it. yeah, print it out, dude. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, nobody. I just I, I don't know. My gut tells me go after the MRO. Nobody's out there. Nobody's out there. Everybody that walks in every door saying project, project, project. If you walked in and said, hey, you need a couple boxes of F32 T8s, maybe they would buy from you. I don't know. It's uh, it's just a gut feeling I have.
2: But I don't think that either way. I just don't see the LED cell or LED projects dying because they're just going to continue. And I know they're building a lot of you know new property up here, new construction, and a lot of that new construction they're putting in has CFLs, which shocks me. But we've walked in many buildings day one they open and they want to do retrofit. Yeah, that, isn't that crazy?
0: Opened. That's cr- You have a condo, like people just built the condo and they've just finally been occupied and they're talking about how can we save money on, on lighting? And they, you, they can, the reality is sometimes they can. They, they're not even done the warranty from the builder sometimes and they're looking into projects. How does that happen? You're right about that. But I, I don't know Architect if that... Architect level? I don't know. I don't know if there's... that. I think, well, you got to remember a lot of architects and engineers, they're going to be wary to be... I mean, you got to remember there's no lighting engineers. Lighting engineers have LCs, right, Greg? That's right. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing called... You don't go to university and get a degree in lighting engineering, right? So a lot of those electrical engineers are, you know, they're kind of in the routine of speccing the same thing over and over and over again. And they don't like to stray from what works, um, True,
2: and I, and contractors as well, because they're going—you know—they're going to throw cans in. They're going to throw, you know, the CFL or incandescent, whatever can they, you know, cheap.
0: Yeah, well, this is it. And if it's on the spec, they do it. Then no one's going to question a new construction spec. They just—they're going to try to do it as cheaply as they possibly can. Not that they would go cheap, but that would—they're not—they're not, they're not going to turn around and say you should change these to LED. But we will. You're saying fifteen percent, twenty-five percent. I'm saying fifty percent. I think you guys are probably right. I'm probably really just having a bad day. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Have we
1: covered everything here, boys? Uh, for me, not today. I think that was, that was a pretty good overview. There's always more to talk about, but that's what the future's for.
0: Yeah, for sure. How about you, Spencer? You go. No, not off the top of my head, no. We have one question, though, for you, Spencer. Which vehicle is the uh, higher-status vehicle? Okay, you got to tell me. Your, tell me the first thing that jumps in your head when I – when I give you this model, you just gotta say one or the other right away, like no pausing or waiting or anything, okay? Okay. GMC, uh, what is it? Denali XLT, Yukon Denali XLT, okay. or Chevrolet Suburban LTZ?
1: The GMC. Oh,
0: <laughs> come on, hey, man. man. Where are
1: you from, Spencer? Seattle. U.S. or Canada? <laughs> U.S. Yes. Yeah,
0: what the, do you Thank know? You. Do you know what the difference is? <laughs> do you know what the it's difference? Nothing really, right? Marketing. The only, the only difference no, no, there's a, there's a serious difference. The only difference is that the, the, unless Greg needs to tow his 27,000 pound boat, (laughs) he he doesn't need the six liter engine and that's it. it Yeah. There's a 5.3 liter engine in the suburban LTZ. And then there's a six, 6.2 liter engine in the, uh in the Yukon Denali, and it has um, all, like some sort of all-wheel, that engine has some sort of all-wheel drive function for when you're towing you know the three bobcats that you use daily in your business, Greg.
1: So the important part is I'm 100% right so far.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, No, uh, Maddie, Maddie Segrift says it's a sub- suburban LTZ. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. American-wise, yep. yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, you're yep. right, okay. All right, that's the podcast. Oh, Brian Huff. Okay, bring him on.
1: What's
0: up, Brian? You missed the podcast. We're just wrapping up.
1: I I, 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 that's why I'm calling in. I figured you were about done by now.
0: Yeah, it was okay. We missed you.
1: <laughs> uh, we but figured it all out. We figured it all.
0: But hey, I got a question for you. I want you to answer this question like like right away. So if if um, when I ask you, you have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay.
1: <laughs> Are we talking about lighting?
0: No, no, we're not talking about lighting. No. So what's the higher status vehicle? <laughs> The GM. What's the higher status vehicle, the GMC Yukon Denali XLT or the Chevrolet Suburban LTZ?
1: The GMC Denali. Oh man, you guys are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mike.
0: What's wrong with you guys? You guys are nuts. (laughs) You want me to keep going here or stop, Matt? Wow. No, I think we're
1: good. Anyway, yeah. yeah.
0: I think Maddie wants to go. I want to go. I think we all want to go. Brian, too late. So straight, but yep. Talk to you soon.